Hello, and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, the Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Josh Baker, and I'm currently reading these books. With me today is our Sherpa. Uh, you know him. You love them. It's Peter Bond. Hello. Uh, how are you today, Joshua, my dear friend? Uh, I'm pretty tired, but I've got a giant mug of hot chocolate, and that's really helping. Chugga chugga choo choo. Okay, moving on past that. Next up is the producer. They look at the bars, they look at the levels. They play lots of video games, so they see lots of levels all day long. That's right, it's AJ Filari. Right now, uh, I'm not watching the bars and levels, actually. I am watching the uh, Houston Astros and Philadelphia Phillies game five uh, on directly next to you guys on my screen. So it's really good. Uh, if I just start screaming in the middle of the, the show, we probably got a home run or something. Go Phils. At this Go point, Phils. We, at this point, listener, you will know whether the Phillies have won or lost. Uh, but don't tell me. Don't, don't tell, tell me. me. Spoilers. Yeah, we no don't spoilers. Know yet. Go Phils. I've just typed in World Series into Google, and a great question has popped out. Is this the first time in history that two cities, MLB and NFL teams, have played at the same time, with the MLB teams being in the World Series? It's mm. a good question. But before we just fully become a Phillies fan cast. Uh, we got to bring it back. We're always a Phillies fan. Sorry. We're always Phillies fan. We got to bring it to our fourth and final member of the night. That's right, PB's friend and closest confidant, my good pal, India Jones. Hey guys. <laughs> not a lot. Not a lot of Phillies love out of Inch tonight. Morale's a little low coming in after the Phillies conversation. Uh, <laughs> what's up, guys? And if you're, I know what you're thinking. If India sounds a little more humid today, you know, a, a little, if she has a little bit of a southern drawl in there, she's in Florida oh, recording. A little bit of a southern draw. India, if you could give me a southern drawl, that would be wonderful. I absolutely can. I don't know. Sorry, I asked Ray, does India ate a, ate a wing? So I'm so sorry. I she's did eat wings. wings. I'm also eating wings. I'm also eating wangs. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Now you um, did say eating wangs, which was not the if, best if way to end. It's it okay. If you want to know a secret about Josh, um, if an accent ever could come up, if there's ever a chance for him to break out his southern accent, <laughs> I, I will you know find he's it. gonna burst through that fucking you know door. <laughs> and, you know, and many people have asked, Josh, is that the only accent you can do? Yes. Yes. yes that 100%. Is 100%. That is it. The only accent <laughs> he does. I was cast yeah. in a British play in high school, and a requirement for it was having the ability to do an accent. And I lied to the director, and I said I could do it. Um, well, you could so. do it. He, he and didn't accent. ask you to do the accent? No. He asked me to do a lot of physical comedy, which is I'm my just, specialty. I, I just feel yeah. like you'd be like, oh, can you do the accent? Yeah. Cool. And then you'd just move it on. So it's it like a big choice. It's how it went. How it went. Yeah. That's high school, baby. <laughs> Wow. Anywho, today we are doing chapters 9 and 10 of Dust of Dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess are we going to dive? Oh, wait, we need an opening bit. That's right. Hold on. Um, we just bit Did we just, did we just do I, a bit? Okay. We could keep talking about like, the Phillies. Josh, how does it feel that Maryland doesn't have uh, an MLB baseball team? Yeah. I couldn't give, I couldn't give a shit. I'm from Delaware. We ha I, I have no home teams. Um, wow. Wait, AJ, they do have one. What are you talking about? He said baseball. Baseball yeah. teams? They oh Orioles. Orioles. Yeah. The Baltimore. The Maryland <laughs> Orioles. No, no, no. AJ's yeah. right. There is not a Maryland baseball team. The Orioles are garbage. <laughs> nice. They're doing better this year, but it's you know. Uh, it's a real testament to how much I normally watch sports. 
Yeah, wow. baseball specifically. You're a real bandwagoner, AJ, and that's yeah. why I know you're not a true Phillies fan like me. Uh, Pete, I believe you and I were both <laughs> born into the Philly fandom. Um, that is true. Um, uh, go Phils, go Birds. All right, go let's Phils, start the go show. Go Birds, go Union, go Sixers, go oh, I thought Flyers. you were just saying, I thought you were just coming out very pro-Union. I, was <laughs> I am like, pro-Union. We are pro-Union, but yeah. also go Union, go Birds. All right, we're going into it. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. The royal court plus Shirka Law dine together. The ladies play fight, and the sexual tension drives Tehol and Bug out of the room. Queen and Captain drop the pretense and get down to brass tacks. Also, Shirk is fully in her slut era and really thinks everyone should try it. Tehol and Bug, fully aware that the fight was staged, talk about their intelligence wings, and goodness, I just love their banter. Janeth introduces Shirk to Princess Falash, 14th daughter to King Tarkulf Bakondo, and her handmaiden. Their dynamic is a little too on the nose. Also, a lot of body shaming happening here from Shirk. Look, we can't all be zombies perfectly preserved at our best. Falash, who knows a little too much about the geopolitical landscape than Janeth is comfortable with, explains that the Malazans may very well be marching into a war that could engulf the continent. She wishes to hire Shirk to transport her back to Bokondo and try to ease tensions. Shirk is forced to agree, even though her priority is getting Ublala Pung to his army. As they leave the compound, Felash suggests to her handmaiden that if Shirk proves a problem, they can always kill her. But the handmaiden informs her that Shirk is already dead. We see hints that Felash may not be the simple princess that she wants others to believe she is. We see a flashback of Dead Smell's youth in Quan Tali. Shocker, another soldier from Book 6 that we thought would be inconsequential seems to now be very important to the story. Through the flashback, we learn that necromancers are really just the most dedicated priests to Hood, engaging in a game they know they'll never win. There's some sick lines about religion. There is no bargain when only one side pays attention. I mean, just fucking radical. Back in real time, at the Letharis Azath house, Deadsmail feels Hood in the world again, which might imply that the scene is happening at the same time as the end of last book? He thinks on Brees and wondering how his resurrection didn't drive him mad, and Shirk, who doesn't want her curse lifted, a decision he agrees with. Bottle arrives to say the army is marching out. Deadsmail tells him Sin and Grub went in the house and disappeared. He thinks the way Kellen, Ved, and Dancer learned how to do. He tells a story about a very horny ram, and it really hits home for Bottle. Hellion and Skulldeath have surprisingly insightful conversation. Probably because she's actually somewhat sober for once. Fiddler and Cuddle are worried about the dwindling supply of Maranth munitions, and a long road ahead for their army. Fiddler shares his feelings on grief and why they've strained his relation with Hedge. They leave to find Breeze, in hopes he has a local cure for a mosquito-borne disease running through camp. Because we really needed another plotline. Some great scenes with the soldiers. Tars coming into his own as a sergeant, Smiles chafes against authority, and Korab is still the best. Also, some stuff about Nefarious Bread, the greatest name of anyone ever. 
a long series of scenes with Kindly, Pores, and Bad on Grook's squad as they try to get a new batch of recruits into shape. Very funny stuff. How this could impact the story in any meaningful way, though, I have no idea. Breeze and Fiddler have a very cool conversation about how the world is evil and pointless and all you can do is try to fight it until you die. These books definitely leave me feeling great when I read them. Anyway, this feels like one of those conversations that happens when one of the characters has to die in this book. Bummer City. So we start off with this really, really good scenes with uh, Shirkalal, Teho, Bug, Janeth, the whole bunch. Did, uh, AJ, how, how, are, how are you loving these court scenes? Did you, and also, did you see through the ruse in this one at first? Uh, at first, no. At first, I was like, this seems like a really weird, like, this is going to be a weird through line. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why mm-hmm. we're doing this. Um, but then as the scene kept going on, I was like, oh, I think I see what's happening. Uh, as like Bug and Tahul were like, we should do things that are going to get us out of here. I was like, oh, I understand. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, get, yeah. I get what's happening. Um, so I, I was a big fan. I, I love these, this scene. I think it was a really fun time. Uh, I haven't been like cold on the courtroom scenes, but I haven't been as hot, I think, as as the rest of you has have been. But this one really, really got me. Nice. Can I just cut in here? You know, so um, I recently moved. Uh, I have a roommate now. First time in a long time. And he asked me, he was like, um, Peter, what is this book like? You know, so I went ahead and read him this entire scene out loud. <laughs> um, Strange choice, but it uh, really brought me into the scene. I'll tell you, reading it out loud. You did know? you do voices? Uh, I did do voices. Nice. I did. I did a whole interactment. It's you really know? good. And by he asked me what the books were like. Did I just do it unprompted? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. Um, oh, I'm a joy to so live with. Good. So good. <laughs> I I actually think this seems really really lovely because uh, I just think that like any couple that can maintain this you know little sense of humor between them like Janeth and Shirk could have been like boys leave. We've got mm-hmm. things to discuss. But I just love the game. You know you gotta mm-hmm. love the game. Um, P, I'm gonna come over to you now. Would you replace your genitalia with like a flesh-eating parasite that like provides pleasure just the same? Um, interesting question. India, I was gonna I, ask you, but I I know your answer. I I do love that they <laughs> circle around to talking about it more, and it feels like it's almost like they're dipping into a whole realm of body modification fiction for just like a second. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um. But for me personally, uh, no, I don't think so. Thank you very much. Um, but I appreciate the offer. Yes. I for sure would. 100%. 100%. I also would. Oh. Like, what else am I doing? You know, what else am I doing with it? That's true. You yeah. know? What else am I doing with it? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, am I right, ladies? <laughs> if I'm not eating flesh, what else am I doing? Yeah. What is, Shirk, Shirk has this line that's like, excess is... Oh, uh, it's really yeah, good. It's oh, really man, good. I don't remember what the line is. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Like, sex is great. Yeah, you, you keep going. Okay, thank you. All right, so still in this greater, you know, courtroom scene, uh, India, did you appreciate the sort of the way that we see this brand new Bokondoan uh, emissary, this supposed princess. And uh, did you did you enjoy that we get set up with, oh, another Bokondoan, you know, so silly. They don't know what they're doing. And then like the next scene of, oh, actually, I think we've found the singular one that is competent. Did that land for you at all? 
Um, no, but like, what do you mean by that? Like, well, we keep feel- seeing. So I feel like we've seen a lot of a lot of these like you know groups of Bacondoms trying to outwit each other or out with the Malazans and stuff, and they have been sing. They've been all bad at it, but it, it actually seems as though Felash, who is really portrayed as like in excess in every way, but then it turns out might be the most competent person from Bacondo that we have met. Oh, yes. Um, yes, that did land. Well, not so much that they all were not competent, but I do kind of enjoy her. And I, I think that she's like, I don't know. I think that she'll prove to be at least an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I also found it very... Uh, I don't know if anyone else would chime in, but I thought it very interesting that Shirk, you know, one moment is talking about living in excess and then the next moment is like really body shaming this chick who is just living her own sort of excess. Yeah, uh, I did. I did. I did uh, uh, kind of hone in on that. It felt really weird and shamey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's like there's there are ways to show that this person is, you know, lives in excess in every way, et cetera, et cetera. But it just felt like, I don't know, it, it did feel like everybody was kind of talking down, like, at her at mm-hmm. all times. It was very, what's the word? Kind of anachronistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that word in my life. <laughs> it's a good word. Uh, also, the quote, the quote is, I tell you, excess is the path to contentment. Yes. Which it's is a good a one. Great line. It really is. And so true. <laughs> Well, I was going to go ahead and leave this. We, we get a little bit more of Shirk's plans with Ublala, and now we see that maybe this part of the, the this group of characters is going to have their through line into the, uh, into the coming uh, conflict in Bokondo as well, which I did not really see coming. I, I really thought by now that we would have left Tehol and Bug and the whole crew, so I like that we're going to have some kind of through line to them. Uh, we leave here, and Pete, wouldn't you know it, a flashback. A little flashback. A little flashback. <laughs> Uh, and this brings me to a, a, a talking point I wanted to bring up. It's the only note I made to myself in the entire <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, I, not- I, I noticed this little note you made. And I'm going to bring it up now because this chapter has a pretty big amount of Malazan bone hunter soldiers lore, interaction, sort of scenes. So, Peter, keeping in mind that we know... You know, from the man himself, Mr. Erickson, that this was originally one book split into two. Do you ever see certain scenes in the light of was this added after he split the books or were these scenes so essential that these types of scenes are what led him to be like, no, each needs its own. You know, we need to really cut it in half. Um, All right. I'll clarify. And I'm pretty confident, but I could be wrong. Thank you. I believe this was not a book cleft in two, but it was a book that he kind of wrote the first half of and knew that where it ended was not the end of this story. So I think it's probably wrong to think about it as one long manuscript that he cut apart and more that uh, Erickson approached uh, writing the ninth volume and the tenth volume as two pieces of one larger story. Oh, I misinterpreted that then. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong. You could write in, but I'm pretty confident they were not split into. Now, as to the substance of your question, yeah, no, I don't. I don't love all of this. You know, um, I mean, you know, I've said it before. I'm not. I'm not a soldier head. Uh, they're not my favorite characters often. And sometimes, a lot of times, when I return to chapters like this, I'm like, man, I like wish some of this stuff connected with me, and I like felt 
what the characters were going through or, or just connect with them more. Because sometimes when I do feel like I'm reading through these ranks of soldiers, I feel like I don't have a strong image of who they are or a strong connection to the character. Or it feels like I there's like one or two factoids related to a soldier and that's all I know about them. And they they don't really read as human beings to me. You say and, this and, a lot, PB. This is a big thing for you. No, and, and and what's a shame is I read a chapter like this and I'm like, finally, it's time for me to connect to Dead Smell. You know, <laughs> it's time. And like, I read the whole thing and I like kind of enjoy it. But then when later when I read more Dead Smell stuff, I, I don't I don't really feel like I come away with a big impression. So, you know, uh, I guess I enjoyed learning through some of this stuff that obviously is probably presented for the first time. And I do think it one element that I do think is interesting how you're learning a lot about these characters after we've spent a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've now spent a long time with Dead Smell, and now here we are in book nine learning about what brought him to where he was when we met him in maybe book four? Yeah. Uh, um, so that's a whole bunch of stuff. Sorry for throwing that all out there. No, I think it's really good. I, I see, you know, Tar comes up so much, and I really feel sometimes like until last until this book he was just a malazan heavy and now suddenly he needs to, it sometimes it feels like well we need someone whose name they know and has a personality so that's tar now mm. kind of same with smiles although smiles definitely had a bigger range of personality aspects before mm -hmm. um yeah i've had the same kind of feelings me too like, i don't know what do you what do you two think aj Inge? I 100% agree, Peter, and honestly, probably even more so. I feel it. Um, I have a really hard time connecting with a lot of the, even like the, if they ever do have background stories, like for Dead Smell, for ex example, I was so checked out of it because I'm like, I guarantee you this does not matter. And I don't mm. care enough to pay full attention to it. So even when we do get, so it's kind of sometimes my own doing, um, we do get these tidbits of information and I'm just like, I, you're, I don't know. I don't really could like, there's like five characters, six characters that I'm like fully invested in mm. and all of the rest of them, which is honestly mostly the soldiers. I'm just like, I, you'll probably die randomly at some point. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, I, with soldiers too. I mean, there's so many and there's really these A tier soldiers we've been following for a while. And then there's a whole B tier who we've also been following for a while. And then there's a C tier we've also been following, you know, so <laughs> yeah. there really is a lot of people to keep track of. And even more people, soldiers are introduced in yeah. this final volume here. I, and I, I will say, I think a, a, the, the format in which we've read these books has really influenced. Cause I feel like back in Definitely. book four and six, we met, well, not even four as much. I think six is when we really started getting to know a lot of these people. I was really gung-ho on them. And then the fact that there's an entire book in between, you know, between six and then you see them again in eight. And it's just such a long time to not interact with them. Who are you talking about here? Uh, the Bone Hunter characters, well, right? They're in, they're in seven. Do you mean between seven and nine? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, seven and nine. Yeah, it's, it's just a long time. And if you, you know, literally we... Tar has a small backstory. We get it in like fucking book four, you know, and that's literally two or three years ago. Good, right? <laughs> Who um, knows? I know his name's Tar because fucking Braventooth hit him and he didn't move. Mm. And so his name was Tar. 
or something like that, you know? It's real tough considering it's tar season out. Am I right? Shout out to my tar oh heads. Oh my God, Pete will um, not stop talking about tar. Oh my God, I wrote a whole <laughs> article about it today. Um, gotta see tar. Anyway, AJ, thoughts on the soldier discussion? Yeah, no, I uh, I mean, I, I grok with a lot of what you and India are saying. You know, I'm also have kind of just been on the same page about a lot of this soldier stuff. But like, I do always like getting these these peeks in. I was really interested in this dead smell stuff. I was also really interested in the conversation that dead smell had with bottle about the eyes of mm-hmm. hood and the eyes of the aerosol being like that is cool void of soul or whatever it is. Um, I thought that ruled. And I also just like really loved this. The whole conversation that um, dead smell and hood have about like what does it mean to have faith or like that's that's peak malazan that whole yeah. conversation is peak malazan yes. but it's buried within the context of why am i learning this yes. five books into meeting dead yeah I, I don't i don't not like the stuff you yeah, know yeah yeah. No, yeah yeah but it's 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 like a lot of what you said uh you in india or pete in india it's just like i i'm just like struggling to I know that I'm like you just said, Josh, I know I'm not going to be able to carry this through for the rest of the series, even though it's only, you know, a book and a half or whatever. Like we learned this thing. It was cool. It resulted in in a couple of cool conversations. But like next time Dead Smell comes up, I'm going to be like, oh, it's it's Dead Smell. I'm going to have the exact same feelings I had about Dead Smell. The last book. Exactly. Well, we had we we had a big scene with him in this book already. And I was like, I guess Dead Sure, Dead Smell. That sounds like a necromancer name. And I'm yeah. sure we've seen bigger scenes with him in the past. But yeah, they yeah. don't. Well, this one well, might stick it, around more probably because I think it was pretty big. Yeah, I know it's an unfair comparison, but I think it's yeah. like in contrast, the reason I care about Hellion a lot you know, mm-hmm. it's because like she's a character who's done a lot of stuff and I've followed mm-hmm. her through a lot well, of and stuff. Bottle, too. Yeah, bottle, and, but, that's what I but was like thinking. bottles done all, you know, so whenever I, I feel like I learned one of these soldiers backstories about where they came from, why they joined the art, you know, it's like, OK, sure. Yes, this is a nice starting point. But like, I feel like I want to go on a journey with them and see them do stuff and, and kind of follow them through that as opposed to just like learning some stuff. But, you know. I know I'm sounding a little negative. I I do, you know, I do like this 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 scene. I I mean, it's just like you know, next to impossible to like like this is the best way to do this stuff. I think you know to like mm-hmm. get us connected to twenty, thirty, forty soldiers. Like th- there's a there's no other way that you could do it besides like giving us a few key members. You know what I mean? So it's not like I don't know. It, it's it's. It's it's being done the best that it could be done, I think. And it's Agreed. good. Yeah, it's good for, for when it's good. But like a lot of the time, I'm just like, I wish there was less names to know, I guess. But like, I, I don't know. I appreciate the the idea of like, well, if you give these people names and stuff, it makes these things more impactful, you know, later down the line and all that stuff. But but I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. I, OK, to end on a positive note about this section. God, I love nefarious bread. It's a good guy. It's a good <laughs> guy. Nefarious bread's really, really good. And I know there probably isn't one, but I want to meet this. Oh, I want, And I want him to be just like this really quiet, unassuming guy who's just like got a fucking club foot or something. <laughs> he's, he's I, I want nefarious bread to show up and like chop off. I can't say like chop off Hood's head because that's a thing that's already happened. Yeah. Something equivalent to that. And then just be like, hello, I'm nefarious bread. Goodbye. <laughs> and yeah. then like just disappear. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's solid. Uh, I do want to say real quick, I feel like. Buried within all this, I feel like there are some very important points that I want to make sure that, Please. like, 
I didn't even catch all these. I caught some of them, but then the tour reread helped. First off, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it seems to be implied that maybe this scene, uh, this flashback, and then the Azath house scene might be concurrent with what happened in Genabacus because Dead Smell says he feels his God's presence in the world again. Mm. So could be at the same time. The, the Tor reread caught that one. I hadn't put two and two together there. I'm confused. Well, they didn't spell that out. Remember, because Hood was here last book and got like on killed. The, the regular. But that's like on a completely different continent. So I was wondering if maybe that's a hint as to timeline wise, if these things were lining up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Whenever, whenever timeline stuff like that comes up, I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't really. I really could not really care less. You know, I, I'm just kind of like, sure, maybe. Yeah. And then uh, I, I, you know, Fiddler and Cuddle are having this conversation about a real an actual like salient point of what is an army of Malazan marines and sappers in this in this world without their maranth munitions you know like mm. it is said many many times that like their empire was good and then they met the maranth and their empire was great so mm. i really wonder if that's going to be a very like boring but impactful scent you know little scene that they run out i feel like i haven't heard the word sapper in so long yeah well they talk (laughs) about too god i what the fuck was that scene about needing to go to this fountain well to go get the good bubble water for these mosquito bites why did we need that plot line was it just so they could have that cool conversation with breeze about death probably probably right (laughs) feels like feels like there was no other way for them to see breeze again yeah um, and speaking about Breeze and death and such, uh, India, how do you, how would you feel if someone that you had put behind you just popped back into your life and you were like, how do you, would you feel conflicted? I love that. Okay. So I was actually really, really interested in this conversation. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, that I very much vibed with it. Um, I think that Fiddler for, for me personally, I feel like I'd be like, wow, this is pretty great. Um, Cool. Hey, hi. But I do understand Fiddler's like, I don't I don't know, like, I'm, I'm just not into it. All I see is like the dead when I see you. It's kind of it's sad mm-hmm. because like it wasn't, I guess, just um like Hedge who died. There was like a bunch of other people because, you know, mm-hmm. if it was just like one person that you were friends with that died and then came back, it's like, oh, my God, you're back. But like. I'm sure he sees like so many other dead people that died too. Oh, yeah. yeah, you got th- Trots, Whiskey Jack. Yeah, uh, and I think that's that's important context. Like looking at it at, from the view of a soldier who is like, I'm making these relationships with people, but like I know someday they're gonna die and it's gonna suck, and I'm gonna have to just be able to move on. Mm-hmm. And so when when you know, as a regular person who has someone close to you die, I think having a person come back, you know, more times than not, would be like, hey, this is great amazing i'm so glad you're back in my life but i think for fiddler who spends as much time like mourning as he does like uh, as as he spends as much time mourning them when they're alive as he does when they're dead (laughs) you know what i mean because it's just like a thing he knows he has to prepare for but now you know hedge throwing this this wrench into this thing is just like really really fucked up Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's i i think i really love this storyline and I, i i love it when you know in speculative fiction you know, you're taking really seriously this premise of like, what if someone came back to life? Like, what would that relationship be like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just love when it's play. you know, Erickson takes it really seriously. It's like, well, what if, you know, what, what if 
Fiddler's not like not into it. What if like this mm-hmm. cr- creates a lot of emotional turmoil? And yeah. I love kind of the way that's explored in this storyline, and I find it uh, very affecting. Me too. Yeah, I yeah. think this this chapter is is major highs and major lows overall. Mm. I I'm just gonna briefly say major low all the stuff with the Lethary citizens being conscripted. <laughs> I know it's played for laughs. I just am like I don't want more names. <laughs> How could oh, they possibly? I thought, you meant... <laughs> I thought you meant the low was the fact that they were being conscripted, but no, the low is that there's just too many names. There's now. so many more people, and the one guy's <laughs> like, "I don't like Twit," and the I'll be Sunrise. I just I yes. don't because <laughs> you know a... he's gonna get called both names, and you're gonna have to remember that he's both people. Well, it's the it's the Josh. pores it's the pores kindly. Oh, it's my twin, oh, my, my other God. twin. Like it's that whole bit is just gonna keep. Yeah. Imp- impounding on or, or compounding yeah. on itself and yeah, get it is. fucking out of control. Josh, can you be a character in this series if you don't have multiple names you go by? <laughs> I think not. Yeah, that's true. It's fucking awful. Yeah. Awful. When I when and I wrote about the sh- when I wrote about the shake while doing the chapter summaries, I wanted to fucking die. <laughs> so I, I think that's about it for this chapter. Any final thoughts on chapter nine? Now let's thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you so much to our patron backers, Necromancer Raven, Chris, Greg, Pooh, Kieran, Michael, Nick, Jason, Rob, Matthew, Andreas, Chef Moneybags, Yashua, Milton G2, Jose, Andrew, and Daniel. Thank you all so very much. This is the, the biggest haul we've had in a bit. Uh, Thank you. Because y'all were getting in there in that in that one dollar tier. When you're hearing this episode, the one dollar tier is no more. You're the lowest tier you can back at now is the three dollar tier. Thank you. No matter what level you back at, we really, really appreciate it. And we really love having you with us. We just released for uh, at the time of recording. We just released uh, a conversation with uh, the hosts of uh, the Eye of the Duck podcast. Uh, we talked about Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. This is a great conversation. This is very fun to, to chat to them. If you want to hear that, you can pay $3 or more on our Patreon and get access to that and all of our previous patron content. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Chapter 10. Caleb reflects on past memories as she recovers from her experiences with the dragons. She wakes and sees the Kachain Shamal, hiding, cowering from a bank of storm clouds. The storm begins to erupt, and Kaleth is grabbed as her companions flee. They are confronted by Gurul, who seems upset they fled the storm, until Kaleth steps up, claiming it was her idea. Malazan continues a long, proud tradition. We are introduced to a new Bargas character, learn their entire life history, and then he and every other person in this camp is brutally murdered by whatever is lurking within the storm clouds. In the main Bargas camp, we meet one of the chief rivals to Hitan and Tull, Sakara the Vile and her war chief husband Stolman. They suck. The storm clouds are seen on the horizon. Tull brings Hitan to the edge of camp, followed by a shit ton of other Bargas, which seems like a bad move. He says that 500 Bargast were killed in seconds, and though he knows who did it, he refuses to speak. He wants to run, but Hatan doesn't understand, and inadvertently forces him to make a choice he wants to avoid. 
Tool marches out with a hundred of his worst critics, hoping that the carnage they witness will help them understand the folly of this battle. But they both know it will fail. As he leaves, Hattan reflects on her people and realizes the mistake she has made. Setok, Kaffel, and Torrent re-enter the world in the wastelands, the ghosts they brought with them flowing out and vanishing. Torrent sends off on his own, while the others return to the Bargast. In the Hive City, a Kshane Shamal drone is awakened and senses the intruders, much to the ghosts' dismay. Featherwitch pulls out new tiles in a scene that is super confusing. It is clear that she is in uncharted territory, but the consequences are unclear. They fear that an enemy is approaching, and they must harness the power of blue iron magic. Taxilian says he knows, but can't figure out how to help the city. Feather says to cut himself and let the taste of the city inside. Akarian watches and thinks Sulkit, the drone, is coming, but not to slaughter them. Akarian feels a new sense of hope. The chapter ends with a long shake sequence, the best way to end a chapter. Yantovis leads her people through the dark road, unsure of her choices but determined to see them through. Unfortunately, the witches drink far too much of her blood and their world shatters as the refugee column falls into another plane. With the queen unconscious, the watch orders the witches to heal her or face his wrath. They all seem to know where they are and are worried that it is the home of their enemies. The watch sets off to buy time, but is ambushed by a forkal assailant named Repose. They fight, and it is sick. There's a great bit about names and titles. Suddenly, the real denizens of this realm, the Tisti Leosian, appear and attack. But the watch is a supreme badass and kills them all handily. As Twilight wakes, she finds her people dying under the heat of four suns. An assault by the Leosian, perhaps? She orders the witches to begin the work necessary to return them to the Dark Road. Sensing that their troubles might be the work of the now youthful Pulley and Squish, the siblings share a look, knowing that the witch killer may need to finish the job he started. Will kids come on down to chapter 10? I don't know why I did that voice. All right, no, chapter good. 10 Keep time. No, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I can. <laughs> Pappy Josh. <laughs> Pappy Joshua, can you tell us about chapter 10 again? Josh, can I offer you a note? Um, yes. Maybe your character's from the South. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Maybe New Orleans. Can I say one, maybe one, there? one time at Pathfinder, Christ. I did, I and I'm not, I did like a spot on... Pittsburgh. And, you, and you've never recreated it, Josh. Yeah, spot on Pittsburgh accent. And I've never been to Pittsburgh, and I only know one guy from there, but I nailed it. Nice. Well, how am I surprised? I know all your fucking stories. Here yeah. we are. Stop <laughs> it. Come on down to chapter 10 here. We got a lot of boats for sale. We got a great <laughs> deal. You're going to love them. It's going to be a beautiful walk away for you and your. I don't think there's husband. a single boat in this chapter, so. Um, well, uh, I, I had to think on my feet, Josh. Okay, what happened to yes and, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. You you, you were sitting. I didn't know you were on your feet. Are you happy now, Josh? No, get on mic. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Josh. Is this better for you? Yes, thank you. All right, chapter 10. Here we go. We start off with the Kachain Shamal. What's that? Scared? <gasps> Scared? <laughs> if you were surrounded, AJ, by a bunch of reptilian inscrutable beasts, 
and you woke up from a fever dream and they were all scared, would you do what Kaleth did and just kind of nap it out? No, I would... mm. Go ahead. I would probably have a full-on like cardiac event like i would be (laughs) gone i am deceased i am there's no way i make it past the first 10 seconds of this event like of what's happening here i I get the impression they wouldn't be great co-workers i'd be like hey guys what's going on (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they would just be like (laughs) (laughs) sword arms what kind of job do you think you could work if you had sword arms butcher Um, Butcher's good. Baker. Candlestick maker. Stop it. I really Um, liked this scene. I I did really enjoy this scene. I like all the Kayla stuff always. She's great. I'm a big Kayla fan. Yeah. I'm starting Uh, to like her more. What 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 specifically about her <laughs> fucking big well, dogging this? These, the more I read the, these books, the more depressed I am, and the more I'm like, mm. "You're right, Kayla. Fuck it. <laughs> we are just here <laughs> raw dogging life, you know." I love when Kayla's big dogging. I am less into when she's like, "Well, let me just tell you about my people," you know. Mm. I'm like, "Okay, sure," you know. <laughs> but love her energy. You yeah, know? I I was very impressed with her standing up to uh, Guru. Uh, Kachin Chamal names are tough. I was getting ready to say, if you had to pronounce every Kachin Chamal name perfectly or die, how many <laughs> how many do you get through before you well, are murdered? Ba- ba- who who has the perfect pronunciation? That's true. That's true. Steve says Malazan. So, <laughs> <laughs> damn. And that's uh, obviously I hear wrong. some people say Udanas crazy <laughs> um, or Udanas. Correct. Thank you very it's, much. It's, uh, well, no. See, I was making you correct no. because I said people yeah. were saying Udanas, which is the correct. But you say Udanis. Udanis. Udanis is what you say. Anyway, mm-hmm. which well, is like I, not even. Or occasionally Udanis, which is um, I don't even know how we get yeah. there sometimes. Well, uh, you may you may infer to a little man named Roland Barth and the death of the author. Oh, so okay. therefore, so I can right. say whatever I want, <laughs> and I'm French, and that's fancy, and you can't criticize me. Oui, Thank oui. you. So sorry. So sorry. Oui, oui. Yeah, <laughs> that's what um, it is. Yeah. So I think the Kayla thing. Kayla seems good. Uh, it's our first note of giant bank of storm clouds. Yes. Uh, hey guys, I I think they're going to be pretty important. Uh, that one bar guest seems to think they're not going to be important at all. Yeah. Well, as I wrote in my script, uh, I I wrote a funny line in my script. Uh, spoiler mm. alert: I've not recorded it yet, so AJ is the only one who will hear it. Uh, yeah. So we go see this new bar guest, and uh, he beefs it pretty quick. <laughs> I, there's not much more to say. It's a long, as I wrote, a long, trout, long proud uh, Malazan tradition there. Um, as, soon, as soon as I got the third detail about him, I was like, ah, you're dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> I can't have three details about you. <laughs> if you don't start off inscrutable, that means you're going to die. That's the rule right. of threes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then who here gets bad vibes when it comes to the bard guest? Is it just me or do we think something really bad will happen? rancid vibes oh my gosh rancid vibes uh the the whole josh what's what's giving you the bad vibes well we're immediately introduced to someone named sakara the vile yeah and sure. she seems to be setting sure. herself up to be basically the the opponent of hatan who mm-hmm. seems to be so honorable i think she's just outclassed in this fight you know like hatan fights like uh, uh, stereotypical male bar cast and 
Sakara seems to be fighting the way of like most humans that are evil in this world, you know, like using just lies and deception, which I just think is exactly what Hatan is weakest against. Mm -hmm. So I I just feel like it's going to go really badly. And uh, all of those feelings seem to be aligning by the fact that Tool, can I ask if you wanted to run away? Peter, from all of your responsibilities and life and the and a group of people that you were in charge of, would you dramatically walk to the edge of the camp with 40 of them in tow before telling your wife that you want to do that exact thing in front of all those warriors? <laughs> I guess you don't have any pension for drama, and that's why you would never be good on Bravo, okay? Thank you. It's hysterical. <laughs> I just as soon as they were as soon as he left and Hatan started walking and notes that there's all these warriors following I was just like well just go in your tent tool you know that's all you had to do because yeah. now Hatan's like well what am I gonna do fucking like not hold my husband to the standard of our people like everyone's watching she, like they were I was so I thought that was a little dumb personally <laughs> Inch, how's this Barga stuff hitting you I all right so okay the last time we had a book where we we're we we're always just juggling, I feel like multiple different peoples and yeah. the Bargast were not always very pre- prominent and now yeah. they are. And yes. it's annoying. I'm annoyed. Okay. okay. It's not a good time. It's okay. it's actually mostly a bad time and it's only going to get worse. And I know it is for the Bargast. So it's hitting me hard, I would say. Sure. I don't love it. I, 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 I'm just curious. So when you say bad, do you mean you're not enjoying reading it or it's a bad time or maybe both? I am. In, okay. I'm enjoying reading it as much as I enjoy reading this book, which is like a fair amount. However, it's just annoying to have to go into like this whole other group of people with their own, their own issues and their own like internal battles. And it's just like, sure. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Especially because, like, before I was so focused on, like, the Malazans and then the Lethery. And then now it's like, great, let's just let's just do it all again with a whole other fucking group of We're off to the Bargast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I stand there. I like Hetan, Hetan, though. Yeah. She's great. She's great. But, yeah. That's how I feel about that. All right. I was just curious to hear how it's in you. How do you guys feel? Well, I guess I've said just there's an air of just something bad will happen to them. That's all I can think about. But are you like annoyed by having to read about a whole other group of people and the book ends in one book? I mean, uh, we 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 met all these people in Memories of Ice. They were pretty integral parts of Memories of Ice. But it was so long ago. It was so long ago. Six books ago, AJ. No, I do know it was six books ago. You're a hundred percent right. AJ remembers that. AJ, that's like. 4,800 pages ago. <laughs> like, uh, ask me what I remember about that. That was several years ago for us. Yeah. Yeah. No, wow. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not striking me as like uh, hard or difficult to like sp- spend time around them or anything. Um, I feel like the, the level to which they were characterized in Memories of Ice was like the perfect amount for them to come back six books later and for me to not feel super confused about it because like, we got a little bit about their culture and stuff. We knew that they like to fight and they like to fuck. That's, I think, like the deepest it kind of gets in Memories of Ice. Who doesn't? Am yeah. I right? I, I was uh, Similar to that, I was going to say, I think what I find a little frustrating about these sections is mm-hmm. that 
like just two books ago, we spent all that time with the all being frustrated by them being unable to do anything but fucking fight even when they shouldn't. And it just seems like they were going to watch the Bargas do the same, essentially in the same area that it happened to the all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know the all were doing it for different reasons because Peter's shaking their head, but it just feels like we're going even, even when they shouldn't. I don't. Like, it really feels like they sh- like the, every anything they're about to do is the worst possible idea. But they're going to do it because that's their whole personality. Mm. Well, we're going to get more Bargas stuff, so we can talk about it then. Okay. Can <laughs> I ask a Can I ask a prediction question now, Pete? Of the other two hosts? Do you? Sure, of course. You're, Do you yeah. guys have any thoughts on what the fuck could be in these storm clouds? It has to be uh, old because Tool knows what it would be. But yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things where the clues are there if we were smarter. Pete, are the clues there if we were smarter? Um, I have no comment. Yeah, I, a part of me just wants to say it's like, uh, it's just like the four curl of sail or something, but they're already somewhere else. I don't know. It's like the only elder race that hasn't shown up in this book yet is the Jaghut. So like maybe it's a Jaghut. Like maybe it's raced or something. He's like uh, like being the tyrant again. You know, somehow. I hadn't thought about it being the Jaghut because that would explain why Tool's so kind of because, eh, you know, spent his whole life, uh, several lives fighting the Jaghut. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. I don't know. Like that's like the only thing that I can think of that is like old enough that tool would have beef and also that we know about that has not been in this book yet mm-hmm. you know but i it could totally be just something completely new as a result an, of it could be an elder elder race yeah it could be like like yeah like burn farted or something and like this is the the gas cloud from a burn <laughs> fart you know sure burn hasn't farted in 20 million years but tool <laughs> was around last time she did Anyway, yeah. I hope you put a cool sound effect there, AJ, for yeah. your bit. Maybe oh, like a sure. really reverb fart sound. It'd be really good. And then after this, uh, we have Setok, Kafal, and Torrent entering. Torrent mm. goes on his own. The other two go back to the Barkas camp, which I, I'm really, like, I, I feel like it's impactful. I feel like if anything, what's probably most important about these scenes is that it stopped Kafal from getting there on time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's what's probably going to be con- consequential about them having visited this random other plane. Mm. I really like the torrent set talk sentimentality stuff. It was nice. Know. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was like, oh, torrent. I mean, we knew kind of that torrent has had feelings because we've gotten, you know, his internal monologue and stuff. But I think it was nice to see it uh, mm-hmm. not personified, but like brought into reality, you know, yeah. being like, oh, I'm upset that we have to leave each other. I don't know. All right, so uh, Josh, we're. Um, I was going to throw chain. this to India. Oh sure. So and India. Uh, so <laughs> I said I was going to throw it to India. All right. I guess Josh is going to throw it to India. I've, so India, I feel like I'm perpetually confused within this Kachin Shamal hive city with these people who are dead but not dead. So in this chapter, where Featherwitch pulls out tiles and just claims that she's making new warrens and magic, how did that hit you? Because I was perplexed. Feather Witch is dead. Mm-hmm. But. Or. <laughs> she is a ghost now. Yeah. So. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And what did that even mean? The tiles in general are always just like a fucking yeah. shit show to me. Like, I, 
never understand it, never even can follow when they're talking about mm. when they when they do their little tile things. Yeah. I don't really know. I'm not like super confident about anything that I read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly the same way I feel in these scenes. Like I understand that Featherwitch and Acarium are these ghosts now or whatever. But every time I read one of these scenes, it's like I am being taught the alphabet again. Like everything leaves my brain and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're here for sure. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh huh. Right. <laughs> and it starts off. They started off with like, we got these tiles. And I was like, I'm here. We've seen them. Yeah, and I, was like, she's I like, got tiles. But, then she's like, but now they have backs and they don't mean what they say. They mean what I say. And I was like, the fuck could that possibly mean? <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. And also now there's blue iron, the magic of machines, which is Please. really cool. I mean, rad as hell. Yeah. And there's a Kachain Shamal drone that's coming that's going to maybe help. Pete, when you read these books, did you have had a very similar experience? Good. I was going <laughs> to say, did you feel good about these or were you also like, cool, cool, cool? Were you surfing the forums at these times, Pete, and being like, hey, what's the deal with this chat, like this section? Or were you, did you just keep trucking? No, I, usually my approach is like, well, this will sort itself out. That's <laughs> okay, how yeah. and, and that works uh, 70% of the time, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I then feel- definitely there's some stuff that did not sort itself out in my, my, my memory. <laughs> yeah. I will say I'm always I don't go to the Malazan subreddit often, but anytime someone's like, so I'm in book two and I don't get this. And I'm like, you just just read because whatever we say is not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to get through there. Yeah. You're just going to hear us be confused about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it's like totally unhelpful. It's like when people are like, what are holds? I'm like, OK, so like, <laughs> yeah. If there's like leather and it's like, yeah. you know, it's just more words, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's Malison in a nutshell. It's just more words. Yeah. So there's, you, you're given a whole set of words that you don't know. And then you're introduced a new set of words to help explain yeah. the first set of the words. The Malazan book of the proper nouns. And then what's that? A third wave of proper nouns are coming out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and here's this the secret fourth wave that's actually wave 2B. That and you actually, didn't if, you think, oh, if you God. think about it, the first wave actually, we need to change all of them. <laughs> actually, <laughs> it's all wrong, war- really. There's new Warrens now, actually. And Feather Witch is here, but she's Feather now. And, and where is here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Good question. <laughs> this is a good, uh, good question, period. <laughs> so all that is to say now, that's right, baby. KC in the sunshine band time. Shake, shake, shake. Uh, shake, we're shake, moving. shake. Thank wow. you. We're, we're moving yeah. on. We're on the dark road. And that is probably in, you know, Curled Galen or Emerlane or whatever the fuck one it is. Yeah. And... We fall through the road, which if you asked me what my recurring nightmare is, it's that one. <laughs> falling I'm through walking the road. and then I'm falling through it. Mm. So uh, I did not really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and then they land in a uh, world of the sun. Did anyone have any thoughts when that first happened of like where they could possibly be? No, but in retrospect, I'm like, uh, duh. 
Like that's how, when I was when I was writing these chapter summaries, I had the same thought. I was like, they're in the one tisty realm, and then they fall into a sunny realm. And I was like, well, yeah, Josh, then it would be the, the yeah. Tisalusian one. Yeah, yeah. The Tisalusian showed up, and I was like, I'm so fucking dumb. Like, duh. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an inkling that maybe it was them, but it, I did not feel confident mm. until I saw them. India, Forkel Assail, named Repose. Great name. What name would you have said given them? <laughs> Forkel Assail. They were like, what's your name? And he was like, um, Jan Derig, which was, you know, that's his name, but it's not his title, which is his, anyway, the shake. Do you have a name you could have given that you think would have fooled him? No. <laughs> no. Steven Erickson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was anyone else, did, have we seen the Forkel Assail use this before? Did they ask someone else's name and then, like, murder somebody? And follow up, is Repose someone we've met? Every time we meet a Forkel Assail, I assume we've met them before. I think no to both of those questions. Yes. I think we've never seen them do that before, and Repose is not one that we know. Can you Got imagine it. seeing a Forkel Assail in real life? I would fucking crumble. Yeah. 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 I mean, They're considering great. they would also They're probably great. just kill you. That's that true. seems like that's kind of their whole MO. Yeah, whenever I see pictures wow, of them, AJ. it's... Wow. Of the ones terrifying. we've met, that's kind of been their whole MO. Wow. <laughs> their bodies um, just seem so freaking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like everything's double-jointed, right? Like, that's the whole thing. But they have also multiple extra hinges. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry, Pete's winking. Everything's <laughs> double-jointed. <laughs> double-jointed. Christ. Uh, no, this fight's fucking sick, though. Mm. This fight rules. Yeah. Uh, sh- big shout outs to Yedenderig, the watch for kicking ass. Violent. Uh, for the first time ever that we've seen a fork of a sail get their ass kicked. Uh, besides when the Jag Hut witch came and froze that one to death. Yeah, but I wouldn't really describe that as an ass kicking. OK, that was just like they got beat. This was like Yedenderig. They got, like, they got whooped. They got whooped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then India, would you India. suck someone's blood if it kept you youthful? Yes. There, there we go. go. Next no question. hesitation. Yeah, of course. Get out the blood, boys. Am I right? <laughs> I do really like this. Uh... What? No, stop. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are the What are the blood boys? Am I? Am yeah, I? It was. It was like an old story about um, Silicon Valley weirdos. That were like getting uh, young blood uh, oh, I don't know put into them to legitimately like transfuse blood into them so that they would be young. Woof. Which is not really how it blood works um, is my understanding. Um, right. But, you know, I'm not one of the geniuses out in Silicon Valley. So, <laughs> so right. who am I to so question right. our what tech you overlords? Know? You yeah. know, yeah, I'm just some dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> As I was saying, I do love this idea that the the blood is like intoxicating, literally, mm-hmm. uh, to, the, to the point that uh, Polly and Squish just fully get like wasted on uh, uh, Twilight's blood. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I do. We who who, uh, who here thinks that uh, the the Watch and uh, Twilight are gonna have to kill Squish and Polly? Do you, Josh? I think they're gonna. I think there's a very high chance that um, they kill one of them. Mm. Oh, one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have a whole conversation, Pulley and Squish, right? About like maybe we shouldn't do this, or you know, like we we overindulged. Yeah, but they they definitely still implied that they're just biding their time, you know. Mm. 
or that they're going to have to use them in different ways than they expected or something. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ah, I don't, I don't know. My, my, inst- I, I wasn't thinking that they were going to have to kill them, but now that you've asked the question, I feel like the answer is they will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you really planted that seed. Sorry. <laughs> and then, uh, I think the, mo- the coolest part of this besides obviously, uh, the watch being a badass is that mm-hmm. apparently the Tisty Leosian can just create brand new sons in their world with which to murder people. Yeah, man. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, we already have an extra moon in Malazan and I didn't know like three extra sons could be worse. So India, any final thoughts on these chapters? Um, These ones were not bad. These were good chapters. I agree. That's I it. think they were, e- they were nice reads. They were yeah, easy reads. Easy reading. Yeah. AJ, anything? No, fully agree. These chapters were were great. Uh, there was some great Malazan, classic Malazan stuff in there um, in like every capacity, and I enjoyed reading it. All right. And the final question of the night, everybody. <laughs> if you were to come up... <laughs> you didn't ask me, Josh. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'll, I'll pose you the question first then. Uh, Peter, if you needed to come up with a fake Malazan name consisting of an adjective and a common food item, what would your fake Malazan name be? Um, stinky bread. <clears throat> this bizarre trend is being stirred along by Larry Ellison, the co-founder of Oracle, a man worth estimated $61.5 billion. Holy Speaking fuck. to his biographer, Mr. Ellison once said, quote, death has never made any sense to me, end quote. The periobosis technique involves transfusing the plasma from, quote, young blood, quote, into older people, but it doesn't come cheap. Ambrosia, a startup based in San Francisco, offers plasma infusions at $8,000 for just two liters to anyone over age 35. The firm sources the blood plasma, which comes from 16 to 25-year-olds, from blood banks. Uh, Thank you very much. I hope everyone had a great night. Thank you for listening. What a waste of fucking donated blood. What the fuck? It's really upsetting. Who could need it, AJ? Hospital patients? I'd rather get a smooth 8K in my pocket than save a life. I didn't know this was going to be how the night ended. Well, folks, it's been real. It's been fun. It has not been real fun. Um, It's been fantasy fun. It's been fantasy Um, fun. (laughs) Fantasy fun. Fake Um, fun. Fake fun. (laughs) I just had a crazy idea for a startup, though. Oh, God. What what if? Yeah, now I'm here. what if we get young bones okay. and put them in your body? <laughs> uh, bad news, buddy. Uh, you're going to get flagged for the you're, the wrong type of people are going to search your stuff up. Well, that's true. But also, you got to think of the size of a bone, right? A, a, chi- a, chi- a child. Right. No, no, no. Listen, because I- we could turn ourselves into forkless sale is what I'm saying. It's oh, because my God. We- yes. <laughs> See, give me a second forearm, please. <laughs> Well, they're breaking people's legs to make them taller. So what if you God, break the legs, are. but and then you just add a whole other joint? Can I just Holy hey shit. hey real quick? Can I pause? Can I pause? As a short king, everyone, can we not? Um, you don't. You don't need to. All right, you're fine. Work on your work on yourself a little bit. Not in that way. Counterpoint, Josh. Although I mostly support your position. If someone wants to do that, they should do that. Good for them. However. The they healing sh- must be so, so bad. Yeah. The what must be? It, the it, healing. It, it, it hurts my body to think about. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe we, go to like therapy twice before you do it. Yeah, please. Maybe just try it two times and then and then see if you still want to do it. Right. 
Um, I'm just saying people should do should do it if they want to do it, but also we shouldn't shame people for being short. You know, I think both things can be true. Yes. Anyway, India, do you think we should shame people for being short? No, I just I just that's a very, very stressful healing process. And you only get it most like an inch, not even. Yeah. So I, it's I, like, hey, God, hey, I'm saying don't do it. I'm firmly in the don't do that, please. Um, but anyway, can we end the episode? I, yeah, shoes? I gotta go. <laughs> it's time for bed. Yeah. Just kidding. I want to play a video game. I'm gonna go play. Uh, gonna play she's a bit of a gamer. You could call me a gamer. Final question of the evening, AJ Filari. Yeah. What Overwatch 2 character would Tehol main? Um, I want to say Junkrat, but I've heard Junkrat's not fun or good anymore. Uh, that's just funny. I would have said Junkrat too. Is it Filari or Filari? It's both. I don't know. What do you say? I was raised Filari, but if you're saying it Italian, it's probably like Filari. <laughs> I was raised Filari. Yeah, but, um, but like now 98% I don't practice of people in my life say Filari, and it's like, yeah, that's fine. I don't know, Diva. I don't fucking know, man. Say Diva? Maybe there's when no I say come, you say passion. Come. Passion. passion. <laughs> what a messy ending. All right. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here. It's me, the birthday boy. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us 10verybigbooks at gmail.com. Tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to discord bit.ly slash VBB discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D. Discord. That link will also be in the show notes. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to financially support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. That link will also be in the show notes. And as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gesrick for making our spectacular cover art. You can follow him on Twitter at A underscore W underscore Dan G for the hottest World Cup manager dress code takes. Thank you as well to resident Hong Kong Awuga artist Scout Wilkinson for the special art she will be providing for this season. Keep an eye out. Uh, you can follow her at twitter.com slash humblegoat. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode, including the remixed intro and outro track, is by the one, the only Amaranthin from his album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with his other music on Bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes, and 10 Very Big Books will be back in two weeks on December 9th, reading Dust of Dreams, chapters 11 and 12. We'll talk to you then, and thank you so much for listening. It's like we're friends. All right. Something like that. All Wait, right. One second. One second. Okay. Ooh, what do you? What is that? It <laughs> looked like a waffle. She wanted to get the crunch on Mike. <laughs> a waffle. Hell it was a waffle. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a crunchy waffle. Was that like an ego? I overcooked it. Yeah. It looked pretty overcooked. Guys, I went to uh, I went met my parents for breakfast the other day at like this absolute hole in the wall little like country breakfast place. Um, their like their menu was all wrong. They just charged you per thing on your plate. Like the menu was just nonsense, mm. and the check had no delineation of what you bought. It just said unspecified item and then a cost. And it what was the fuck? Absolute madness. Holy shit! Was it you know, good? Was it good at least? He was really good. Yeah, that's good. Today uh, at the new job, someone asked me if I was unhinged, and uh, um, I felt that uh, I think I'm the most unhinged on this podcast sometimes, you know? 
Yeah. I would so hard disagree with that. If <laughs> anyone is unhinged, it is 100% me, <clears throat> then Josh, then you, then AJ. Yeah. I, AJ's um, definitely last. That's yeah. not AJ's, even AJ I, is on I agree. I'm only unhinged sometimes. Yeah. On the show. You were particularly unhinged on the Evil Dead episode, I will say. Oh, I was out of it for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 